Hallelujah. All right, well, take your Bibles. We're going to go into the Gospel of John. We're going to be in chapter 15 today. Just a word that the Lord has, has laid on my heart today. John chapter 15. I want to talk to you today about abiding in the vine. Abiding in the vine. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Everybody say more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples, abiding in the vine, bearing fruit that glorifies the Father. To help us understand exactly what Jesus is trying to say, I want you to imagine for a moment that you have been selected to be an extra in a movie. How many love a good movie? Right? How many are too spiritual for movies? Anybody here? Yeah, okay. Right, so some pro- imagine some production company comes to your town, they're doing a big movie, they need some extras, so you sign up and you get selected, right? So after the movie is done and the movie is, is released, you go to the theater and there's your scene. It's right there. It's out on the street, you know, there's all these people that are milling around there, and there you are, for three seconds, you can see the back of your head kind of cool, right? I mean, how many times do you get to go to a a movie and see the back of your head in the movie, right? Now, imagine you're so excited about this that you rent out a movie theater and you invite everyone you know to come and see this movie and you tell them that you're starring in this movie, okay? And they all come and uh, the movie theater is packed with all your friends, all your family, right? And after about an hour, your big three-second scene comes up, and there it is, the back of your head. And your friends look at you, and they say, that's it? That's your big starring role? They'd say, you're an idiot. It's three seconds. It's the back of your head. I hate to break it to you, pal, but this movie is not about you. Now, I know it's kind of, a, kind of a silly story, but here's the point. So many of us think that the movie of life is about us and that we're the star, but it's not. 
Our movie is about him. And he's the star. You and I are just extras in a supporting role in his story to glorify him. Tell somebody it's not about you. Now that's kind of the point of this analogy that Jesus is giving in John 15. He's telling his disciples and us, you and me, he's telling me that that my life, my purpose, my existence is not really about me. That I'm a branch on a vine in a vineyard that belongs to a vineyard owner. It's not about me, it's about him. And my purpose, our purpose, is to be branches that bear fruit and that bring glory to the vineyard owner. That's the story that we're in. How many get that? Right? That's the point. That's the main idea of this analogy. God does not exist for our purpose. We exist for Him. It's not about me. It's about Him. The primary point of my life is to bear fruit for His glory. Do we get that today? Because this flies in the face of contemporary 21st century gospel preaching where we are the hero of our story. We are the star of the story. And God is in some supporting role to help us look good and be good and have a better life. So that brings us to the first lesson of this text, the point that Jesus is making. First of all, God is looking for fruit in our lives that glorifies Him. Now, what do we mean by fruit? What's the fruit that God is looking for in our lives that glorifies Him? Well, all throughout Scripture, there's mention of fruit that we can bear for the Lord's glory. There's, there's the, the fruit of godly character that we see in Galatians chapter 5. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's the fruit of the gospel, winning souls, which is talked about in Colossians chapter 1. The fruit of good works, serving others and, 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 and ministering to others, also mentioned in Colossians chapter 1. There's the fruit of praise and worship. In Hebrews 13, it says that, that we should offer the sacrifice of praise unto God, the fruit of our lips. Then there's the fruit of giving of tithes and offerings. and In the book of Romans, Paul talks about the fruit of, of, of giving unto the Lord. There's the fruit of the womb in, in Psalm 127 where the Scripture says that our children are a heritage from the Lord and that we are to bring forth godly offspring, amen, for the kingdom and the glory of God. How many understand that, right? Now, there's probably much more all throughout the Scripture. You could probably come up with some other categories of fruit that our lives are to produce for God. But the bottom line is this. Our purpose is to bear fruit that God gets the glory for in everything we do. That's the purpose of our life. That's why Jesus said that we are branches, and our purpose is to bear fruit for the vineyard owner. Amen. Now, how do we do that? How do we, how do we bear fruit unto the Lord? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's, that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? 
everything you do. It means to glorify God on the job. To glorify God in your home. When you're, when you're doing chores around the house, to glorify God. When you're cleaning the house, to, to glorify God. When you're raising your kids, to glorify God. When you're playing sports, if you're on an athletic team, to use that as an opportunity to glorify God. Whatever your hobbies are, whatever you enjoy doing, everything that you do, do it in a way that brings glory to God. Right? And how do we do that? That's the question right there. That we have to answer, each of us have to answer that question for ourselves in our place of work, in our, in our school, in our hobbies, in our, on our sports team. How can we glorify God? How can we bring forth fruit in that context that glorifies our Father in heaven? Because that's our purpose as a branch on the vine. Amen? It's a question that we have to ask ourselves. Because Jesus mentions those branches who have no fruit. Look at it again in verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He removes. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is, is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. What is he saying? He's saying just because we may have prayed a prayer 12 years ago, doesn't mean that we're bearing fruit today. Hello? Come on, it's just a little check on, on ourselves this morning. Just because we prayed a prayer or were baptized, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago, doesn't mean that we are a fruit-bearing branch on the vine today. There are some who became a branch years ago. They were engrafted into the vine. But today, they're not bearing fruit. They're withering and they're in danger of being taken away. Which raises the question for a lot of people. They ask, can, can, can a Christian lose their, their salvation? It's a very popular, common question. Today. Is it possible for someone who is saved to lose their salvation? Well, let me put that back on you with a question. Is it, is it possible for a branch to wither? Right? Because before something can wither, it first has to have life in it. There needs to be the presence of life that's drawing from the vine to be alive before it can wither. So the very nature of the metaphor that Jesus gives us answers that question, yes, it is possible for a branch that is alive, right, that is thriving, to actually stop drawing life from the vine, to stop thriving and bearing fruit, and to wither and to be cast forth as a branch and taken away. Let me give you a little context to help clarify this. When Jesus gave this, uh, this analogy in John 15, it was right after the event that we call the Last Supper. And you read about it in John 13, right? And at that meal, at the Last Supper, Jesus said to all of his disciples, he said, one of you here is going to betray me. And he said, it's going to be the one that I, I dip this bread in, in the wine and I give the, the bread to this person. That's going to be the person who betrays me. And so he did that. He dipped it and he gave it to, who did he give it to? He gave it to Judas, right? And it says there that Satan entered Judas. And then he went out and he betrayed Jesus. It was right after this, right after that Judas walked out on Jesus to betray him, that Jesus said to his disciples, not everyone who is on the vine is truly abiding in me. Some are withered branches. And he's saying to his disciples, don't become a withered branch. So yes, 
it is possible for someone to be alive in uh, to be alive in Christ, but then to wither and become unfruitful because they are not abiding in Christ. Which brings us to the next point here that Jesus is making, which is so important: to bear fruit, to be a branch that bears fruit which glorifies the Father. We must abide in Christ. Verse four: Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. The word abide is used seven times in the first seven verses of John 15, which means this word abides, this concept of abiding is very important. You getting that? You think Jesus is trying to make a point here? Seven times he uses that word. Now in the Greek, the original language of the, Old, of the New Testament, the word is menos. And the word literally means to stay, to remain, to actually to dwell, to, to endure and stand fast, to abide, right? Now, how do we abide in the vine? Well, obviously, the, the first step in abiding in the vine begins with a connection. Can you say Connection. It begin, abiding in the vine begins with a connection. It's not just being religious. It's not just going to church. It is being made alive unto God. It is being connected out of spiritual death to God and being made spiritually alive. John 3.3, 3, Jesus said this. He said, I say unto you, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Did you get that? Unless a man or woman be born again, they cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, What does that mean? When we receive Christ, He comes into your life. Some use that phrase, Jesus comes into your heart. Okay, What does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus actually you know, leaves heaven and opens up our chest and steps into it? No, it's, it's, it's a figure of speech. Jesus does not literally come into our heart. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22 says that we are a habitation of God through the Spirit, okay? Jesus comes into our life through the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit comes into our being and He connects us in relationship to God, okay? We are made alive to God by the presence of the Holy Spirit who now comes into us because our sins have been forgiven. We are now regarded as righteous before God. And because we are now righteous and clean before God, the Holy Spirit can come into us. And He resurrects our dead spirit and connects Himself to us. And now, through the person of the Holy Spirit, we have relationship with God. Right? And, and you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's, it's how we sense His presence. It's through the, the Holy Spirit in our life. It's how we hear that inner leading, that inner voice. It's through the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's how He guides us. It's how God leads us. It's how God touches us. It's because the Holy Spirit has entered into our life at that moment when we were born again through the name of Jesus. How many are getting this? Okay. So this is how we... This is how we become engrafted, Paul used that term, engrafted into the vine, all right? When we are born again, it's a relationship. But here's the thing, like any relationship, that relationship that we have with, the Holy, with God through the Holy Spirit can either thrive 
or it can wither. Just like any relationship in a marriage, a husband and wife, that relationship can thrive or it can wither, right? A relationship with, with a, a son or a daughter, it can thrive or it can, it can wither with friends, with, with your church, right? Relationships either grow and get stronger or they weaken and there's a distance that occurs. And, and what determines whether or not we thrive or we wither is the interaction that we have, the, the communication that we have. The personal intimacy, the, the communion, the relationship that we, that we have determines whether or not we will thrive or we will wither in our connection with that person. So, abiding in Christ begins with connection, but it is maintained through communion. Verse 4, he says, abide in me and I will abide in you. Right? So think about it. It's a great analogy, metaphor that Jesus gives us. Think about how a branch on a vine stays alive. The branch is constantly drawing life from the trunk of the vine. Constantly, that flow of sap internally is constantly bringing nutrient, constantly bringing life to that branch. And and the nourishment from the vine causes that branch to become fruitful, right? The relationship, the interaction, the participation. But When the branch ceases to draw nourishment from the vine, what happens? It withers. It starts to dry up. It starts to get unhealthy. Jesus is saying this is exactly what our relationship with him is to be like. It is not a one-time event where we pray a prayer or we get baptized and now, you know, one and done. And that's, you know, so now, you know, I'm a branch on the vine and I'm fine now and and I'm going to go to heaven. No, Jesus is giving us this metaphor to tell us that eternal life is not something he gives us and we put it in our pocket or we put it in in a safe deposit box and there it is. Eternal life is a relationship. Eternal life that we have is dependent on a drawing upon a relationship and interaction with the vine, Jesus. How many are getting this? Amen? Right? He's saying it is a continual process consuming what He has to feed us with. Drinking what He has to give us. It's being renewed and being refreshed and being revived every day on a continual basis. This is what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. It's not one and done. You need to maintain the relationship and draw upon me continually, or else you will wither up, dry up, and you'll die spiritually. It makes, it makes sense, amen? It's really not that complicated, right? So how does this abiding This communion, how does it work? How do we feed on Him? How do we draw on Him? Well, it's real simple. It starts with daily Bible reading. It's really not that deep. Daily feeding on His Word. The Scriptures tell us that His Word is spiritual food to our soul. It's what nurtures our relate that connection that we have. The Holy Spirit that comes into us and dwells in us, speaks to us through the Word that we open up, that we take in through our eyes, and we read it and we process it internally. And now the Holy Spirit inside of us begins to speak to us about the Word that we're reading. 
You follow that? It's, it's how that process of nourishing our soul occurs. <clears throat> 1 Peter 2, 2 says, Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Hebrews 5.14 says, says, The solid food of God's word brings us into maturity and discernment. Job 23 verse 12, he said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. The Word of God is spiritual food for our spiritual man. And listen, if the only time that you open God's Word is Sunday morning, then you're not abiding in the vine. You're not drawing nourishment from the vine. You're starving your spiritual man. You're withering spiritually. To abide in the vine is to be a self-feeder. You know what that means, right? That means you're not dependent on a pastor on a Sunday morning once a week for a half hour to give you some word. But that you know how to prepare a spiritual meal for yourself. And it's really not that hard. You just open the book and start reading. Amen? And memorizing and meditating, okay? And it's not just daily Bible reading. It's also personal prayer and worship time. Personal prayer and worship time. Jesus said in Luke 18, he said, men ought always to pray and faint not. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray without ceasing. ceasing. Jude said in verse 20, build yourselves up in the faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Now that doesn't mean you have to pray for two hours a day, but it does mean that we need to commune with the Lord on a regular basis. A branch has to connect to the vine. Amen? So tomorrow morning, Monday morning, all us little branches, you know what we got to do? We got to get some time, all right, to connect to the vine, to open the Word, to have some time in prayer, talking to the Lord, right, and allow the nourishment from the vine to come into our being to strengthen us and to grow us and mature us, lest we what? Wither. Amen? Connecting to the vine also means being connected to his body. To his body. What do we mean by his body? The church is the body of Christ. Yes? Amen. Now, those of you who are watching through Mission Church Online streaming, God bless you, but I want you to really listen up, okay? Because online church is not the same as connecting to the church. It's not the same thing. At some point, you got to turn off the, the monitor and you got to Get yourself dressed, and you got to gather the kids up, get in the car, and get yourself to the house of God. Amen? Because there's value in the going. There's value in preparing yourself and getting out of your house, making the trip, and going and getting yourself into the house of God. Right? It's, it's preparing our heart to seek the Lord. That's what we're doing. We're saying, I'm going to make an effort. I'm going to involve some sacrifice. I'm going to offer up to the Lord that which costs me something. I'm not just going to sit on my couch, right? Amen? Eating a bowl of cereal in my pajamas. We love you, but you need to be in the house of God. Amen? Right? Some people say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You ever hear that? I don't need to, be to, to go to church to be a Christian. But understand this, the church is the body of Christ, and Christ is the head of the body. You can't be connected to the head unless you're connected to the body. See, the scriptures give us these metaphors for a reason, because there's spiritual truth in them, right? Okay? 
Hebrews 10.25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhort one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Listen, the enemy wants you isolated and alone. The enemy wants you alone with your thoughts, alone with your own issues, alone with your toxic self-talk in the confusion and the chaos of your own mind. Isolating yourself from the body is isolating yourself from the vine, and it will ruin you spiritually. Stay connected to the body. Stay connected to the vine. Stay connected to the church. Amen? Amen. 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 Okay, let me bring me to the last point that we, we need to make in this text, and then we're going to close. To bear fruit, we must abide in Christ, and to abide in Christ means that we're also going to get pruned. Everybody say pruned. John 15, 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes it. <laughs> that it may bear more fruit. How many of you have ever been pruned by the Holy Spirit? Anybody here? <laughs> right? You know why he prunes us? Because he sees that we have fruit-bearing potential. He sees that through a process of pruning we can bear more fruit and bring him more glory. Again, it's not about our comfort. It's about his glory. Hello? It's not about our happiness. It's about him being glorified in our lives. Remember, okay, the movie's not about you. You're just in a supporting role to his glory. Is anybody getting this today? That's, that, that's our role. We are in a supporting role. We are extras in his story meant to bring all the focus, all the attention, all the praise, all the glory to him. Not our acting ability, not our singing ability, not our performing ability, not everything that we want for our... It's not about that. It's about His glory. And so sometimes He prunes us because He knows that in doing that, He can make us into a branch that is more fruitful for Him. Pruning. So years ago, uh, my wife and I, we grew up in, in South Jersey... And when I was in, lived in South Jersey, I worked on a tree farm in South Jersey. Yes, it's true. In New Jersey, there actually are trees. There are tree farms, actually, in South Jersey. And at certain times in the growth season, we would have to go out with the little prune shears, the snippers, and we would have to prune the trees. And so pruning the trees involves taking these, these pruning shears, they're like, they're like scissors, like pliers, and cutting off what we called the suckers, the sucker branches, okay? A sucker branch is a very small branch that's new, new, new growth that doesn't bear any fruit. It sprouts from the main trunk of the tree, and, and as it's sprouting and it's trying to grow, this branch is, is sucking nutrients away from the fruit producing branches to promote its own growth. And if you leave the sucker branches alone, they could starve and deprive the fruitful branches so much that those branches no longer bear fruit. Okay? Now listen, if you're a tree and you have feelings, pruning is not something you will enjoy. Okay? It involves cutting. It involves stripping away. It involves removing parts of your life, and you feel it. It's a painful process, but it's necessary. Everybody say necessary. It's, ne it's a necessary process for the branch to bear fruit. Now, some people here today, 
You may have a smile on the outside, but on the inside, you may be hurting. You may be crying on the inside because right now you're in a process that hurts. God's got you in a situation right now. It hurts. It's painful. But I want you to look at it as a process in which God is pruning. Can you say pruning? Pruning. You're here. You're suffering in some way. Something happened. Maybe some loss in your life. Some stripping away in your life. Maybe someone left you. Maybe someone rejected you. Maybe in your career. Maybe in your your business, maybe some decrease in your status, your finances, your material comfort, your health. Something is happening right now, and it hurts. And maybe you're saying, why doesn't God love me? Why doesn't God care about me? Why would God let this happen to me? This scripture shows us why. Because God is looking for fruit in our lives. He's trying to grow us in a way that will bring Him glory. I've said it before, and I'll repeat it again this morning. God is not interested in pampering us physically. He's interested in perfecting us spiritually. Remember how we started, okay? The story is not about me. It's not about you. It's about Him. He's the star of the movie. He doesn't exist for us. We exist for Him, to bear fruit for Him, to bring glory for Him. And the good news is this, you are not a victim. You are in the hands of a skillful vine dresser. He has a knife, he's cutting, but rejoice because he's the one who's doing the cutting. Amen? Hallelujah. He's the one who holds you in his hands and he's cutting because he loves you and because he cares about you and because he knows something needs to be cut away from your life. Something needs to be changed in your life right now because if I change it now, it's going to be productive in your life down the road. You're going to become a fruit producing branch for my glory. He's shaping you. So it's not your doctor that's pruning you. It's not your accountant that's pruning you. It's not your boss that's pruning you. Amen? It's not your spouse or your ex that's pruning you. They're not in control of your life. He is in control of your life. He's the one who's writing the script for your story. And he's writing a script because he loves you and he cares about you and he sees potential in you. Hallelujah. He has seen up to this point that you have borne fruit for him. He's seen that you've pruned. And what did Jesus say? If you bear fruit, he prunes. Hallelujah. That's good news. If you're going through a hard time right now, it's because God sees that in the past, he's done some things in you and you have borne fruit in that season. So God's saying, we're going to take it to another level now because I want you to reach the full potential for your life. How many want to be maximized in this life? Amen? Right? So a few things to remember while we're being pruned. Let me invite the worship team to join me up here. First of all, obey him in the process. Painting, uh, pruning is painful. Sometimes God puts us in the painful situation to amplify our lack of fruit in a certain context. To bring attention to how we need to change and grow. Right? And so how does God produce more fruit? How does God produce more love 
in our character. Does he surround us with kind, loving people to mentor us? No. He surrounds us with selfish, insensitive, mean, and nasty people to show us how vindictive and vengeful and spiteful we can be so that it's in that context that we can learn how to love our enemies. And when you've learned how to love your enemy, you've really learned how to love. Anybody can love a friend. Amen? Hello? Yes? True love is when you can love someone who is spiteful towards you and hurtful towards you. Trust him in the process. Trust him in the quiet. In the quiet. It's an attitude, a mindset that chooses to believe. Now listen, chooses to believe that God is working even when there doesn't seem to be any proof that he's working. Chooses to believe that God is responding to our prayers even when there doesn't seem to be a response. Amen? Chooses to believe that God is working all things together for the good. Right? When I can't see him, he's working. When I can't feel him, he's working. When I can't hear him, he's speaking and he's commanding and he's calling those things that don't exist as though they do. I can't hear it. I can't see it. I can't feel it. Hallelujah. But all of heaven goes into motion on my behalf. That's what it means to trust him in the quiet. And finally, praise him in the pain. Praise him in the pain. Let's stand up together. Praise Him in the pain. Listen, it's easy to praise God on the deliverance side of the trial, the victory side of the trial. But that kind of praise, the kind of praise that comes after we've been delivered, is hollow. It's empty praise. But to be able to say to God, on the testing side of the trial, I trust you, Lord, that's valuable praise. That's high praise unto God. Amen? Before the victory comes, before the prayer is answered, before the situation changes, while you're in the fire, while you're being pruned, when the knife has been put up against the bark and is starting to cut and it hurts and it's painful, to lift your hand and say, Lord, I don't understand it. Lord, I don't know why it's happening, but God, I know this. You are good, God. You're good, Lord, and you're working, Lord, and I trust you, God, with this pruning process. Hallelujah. Praise Him in the pain. As I close, remember, the story is not about you. You're not the star of the movie. He is the star. And our role is as a supporting character to bring glory and praise to him. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's lift up a hand to the Lord right now. And let's just give the Lord some, some praise right now. Maybe you're being pruned. Maybe you're in the process and it hurts. Come on, lift up both hands to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise you in the pain, Lord. I'm going to praise you in the pain, Lord God. I'm going to trust you in the quiet, Lord God. I'm going to trust you when there seems to be no response. Lord, I'm going to obey you in the process, Lord God. And Lord God, when I see those aspects of my character that need to be changed, Lord God, I'm going to say, Lord, change me. Have your way. Have your way. Come on, let's lift our hands. Let's take a moment and let's just worship the Lord and ask the Lord to take us deeper.